Hello, people of the internet. This is the Rubin Report Direct Message. I'm Dave Rubin. All right, three stories today. I always tell you, it'll be between two and four stories. We're smack dab in the middle with three today. And uh, one of them, the first story that I'm gonna talk about today uh, is about Kyle Rittenhouse. He's the 17 year old that you may remember from the Kenosha, Wisconsin riots. Now, these riots actually originally happened in August and I was off the grid for that. Uh, this was one of the stories that Michael Knowles got me caught up to speed on when I came back on the grid. Uh, so I didn't even know about the riots as they were happening. Um, so I think that perhaps I have a little bit of a clearer perspective on this because I'm sort of getting all the information uh, post it happening. You know, one of the problems we have is when stories break, you get a gajillion sources and Twitter people telling you a gajillion different things. And, you know, some people see the same video and see, you know, 10 different things in the same video. And then they share that and they clip that and the whole thing. Uh, in any event, I was on Sean Hannity last night and I was supposed to be on to talk about some of the election stuff and, and Biden and Trump and all that. And about an hour before, uh, they said that there was a video that was breaking that they wanted me to talk about. And actually there was a video released by uh, a group called Fight Back. And this is a legal group that is defending Kyle Rittenhouse. And they released an 11 minute video that basically tells a very different story. And I'll, I'll give you some of the details of the story when we get to it in a moment. Uh, but in essence, you're not gonna believe this, guys, but perhaps, perhaps the story that we've been told about Kyle Rittenhouse, that he was just out there uh, to shoot people and kill people and raise havoc and that he was somehow a white supremacist or the rest of it, you're not gonna believe this, uh, but there's more to the story and it, that's probably not true and it's much more complex than that. Uh, Tucker Carlson actually was the first one to release some of the video last night, then Hannity picked it up. Uh, I talked about it, it's sort of catching fire right now. And, and it might just be another example of one of these things where there's a story and if it fits the narrative, you know, the media loves it. In this case, you know, young white man shooting people, we love that kind of story. Or uh, Jesse Smollett, young black man being attacked, we love that story. But when things don't quite fit the narrative, the media doesn't know what to do. So don't expect this video that has been released. And, and by the way, we'll link to the full video. Michael, let's make sure we link to the full 11 minute video. And I'm not saying every analysis in that video is true either, but perhaps there is more to the story than what you're seeing on mainstream media and everything else. So we'll get to that. Uh, the big one that I wanna talk about today though is actually pretty freaking incredible and goes to the heart of pretty much everything that I've been talking about for the last 72 years, roughly. Uh, Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, your president. You know, I like when they always say that, the people with Trump derangement syndrome, they always say he's your president. Well, he's your president too, guy. Um, well, he yesterday uh, issued an executive action removing critical race theory uh, from all federal contracts. He had actually done some version of this about a week ago and then expanded on it yesterday. Uh, we're gonna 
dive into what critical race theory is, but in essence, for these last few years, as there's been a whole bunch of us talking about identity politics and why the institutions are crumbling under it, and, the, and these awful things like the 1619 Project pushing theories that the United States was founded on slavery. We fought a freaking war to end slavery not too long later. Uh, all of these terrible ideas that have leaked into not only our, our federal government, but our local government, they've most likely leaked into the, the places that you work and our corporations and everything else. Well, Trump's removing them. And one of the things that I'm gonna wanna talk about is I did a quick scan of Twitter uh, this morning to see how many of the good liberals, like the, the IDW crew liberals who have been you know, yammering and screaming and writing books and doing videos and giving talks about, about identity politics, about the, the negative effects of critical race theory, um, all of these things, why the New York Times is crumbling, all of these things, like they're all connected. These aren't just like independent things floating in the universe. Well, I did a quick scan of the, the good liberals uh, the good remaining liberals, right? And uh, very few of them uh, mentioned anything about Trump doing this, Trump actually doing the thing that they wanted to be done for so long. And I wanna sort of relate that back to uh, how everything sort of orbits around Trump. And then finally, the third story, it's gonna be sort of an amorphous story. I just wanna talk about registering to vote. I don't know if you know this, but very soon there's an election coming up between two very old men um, and uh, well, we're, one of them actually uh, may not even make it to the election. He may he may step down for for that lady. Um, who the hell knows what's going to happen? But I want to talk about registering to vote and why you should vote. And I'll, I'll tell you a kind of funny story about uh, what happened to me and route to voting uh, last time in 2016. All right, so let's back up. We're going to start with this Kyle Rittenhouse story. So let's do this to start. Uh, last night, Tucker Carlson broke the story that there was this expanded video, it's an 11 minute video that's an explainer uh, from a group called Fight Back. This is the legal defense team of Kyle Rittenhouse. So you have to take that as it is. You, know, you can take it with a grain of salt, but they released an 11 minute video, which again, we're gonna link to in, in the bottom right now so that you'll be able to see the full thing. But I wanna show you, Tucker has a, had a two minute uh, lead up to it with just a, a bite of the video, and I just want to play that and then we'll talk about it inside. Police did little to stop the destruction. A small number of citizens decided to fill the vacuum. One of them was a 17-year-old from suburban Chicago called Kyle Rittenhouse. On Tuesday, August 25th, Rittenhouse finished his shift as a lifeguard in Kenosha. Video shows he spent part of that day cleaning graffiti from the walls of a local high school. Rittenhouse then went downtown with a rifle to try to protect a car dealership that had been attacked by mobs the night before. What happened next destroyed Kyle Rittenhouse's life. It also ended the lives of two other people. Kyle Rittenhouse apparently shot three people total, two of them fatally. His attorneys argue that Kyle Rittenhouse acted in self-defense. Prosecutors in Wisconsin charged him with first-degree murder. So what is the truth about what happened that night? This is one of those rare cases when we might be able to reach firm conclusions about that before the trial. There was an enormous amount of video shot that night in Kenosha, mostly by citizens with iPhones. We have video of all three of the shootings Kyle Rittenhouse was involved in. Critically, we also have video of the moments that preceded those shootings, the context. We've already showed some of that video to you, but tonight we're going to show you more. New, never-before-seen footage of Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha. Now, what you're about to see comes from the nonprofit Fight Back that was formed by Rittenhouse's defamation attorney, Lynn Wood.
For the last month, there's been an enormous amount of propaganda surrounding this case, and virtually all of it has come from the left. Congresswoman Ayanna Presley of Massachusetts, for example, denounced Kyle Rittenhouse as, quote, a white supremacist domestic terrorist. Now, there's no evidence that is true. There never has been any evidence. It's a lie, so far as we know. So the question is, what else are they lying about? Tonight, we're going to show you context from that night, and we're going to let you decide what happened. Here to begin is video of Kyle Rittenhouse hours before the shootings took place. Now, again, what you're about to see comes from a group, a nonprofit, founded by Kyle Rittenhouse's defamation attorney. Here it is. To prevent the total destruction of their community, Good Samaritans united to guard local businesses. Among them was 17-year-old Kyle Rittenhouse. So people are getting injured. Okay, so obviously Tucker gave you a little context there, showed a little bit of the video. Now, if you if you watch the 11-minute thing, and I'm sure it's going to go up on BitChute or something somewhere, uh, I'm not saying it's all true. You know what I mean? Like they might have done some selectively selective editing. It, it does feel like there was a narrative crafted. But my point in even doing this story is just that there's obviously more to the story. This is a kid who was cleaning up graffiti earlier in the day. They, they do a little interview with him from before all this. And it's like, there are people burning things down, attacking people, violently rioting and everything else. And it's obvious that he was not there to do that sort of thing. That doesn't mean that he did every single thing right. Um, but the video does show much more of that. The idea that this video uh, is offensive to some people, well, it might be offensive to some people because things that go against the narrative are offensive to some people. Um, but this obviously would lead us to a, a much, much bigger discussion about online censorship and everything else. So it's just, it's just freaking messy. Everything is messy. And then you throw big tech in it and, and man, it just seems to get worse. Um, you know, interesting, I'll just throw in one other one other thing on this story, which is that um, I, so I went on Hannity last night and then not only did I reference in my little Hannity piece, I said, don't take my word for it. And Sean actually led the piece by saying, you know, we want more evidence and all that kind of stuff and you don't want to rush to judgment. And, and that means you don't want to rush to judgment either way. You don't want to rush to judgment saying this kid's a murderer, like cold blooded murderer. And you don't want to rush to judgment saying that he's absolutely innocent. The, tr the truth might be in between. He might have done something stupid and then also some bad things could happen to him. Like, we just don't know exactly, right? Um, but anyway, so I, I mentioned the 11 minute video in there. I tweeted out the, the Hannity clip and then a journalist uh, from the Daily Beast, which is not a place of journalism, uh, just tweeted at me. She tweets at me every now and again, tweeted at me something like, you know he killed two people, right? And it's like, I'm not even going to mention her name because it doesn't matter, but it's like this sort of rush to judgment by the people who are supposed to be finding truth. That's what your job is as a journalist. I'm not a journalist. I have never considered myself a journalist. I don't want to be a journalist. I see what's going on in the world. I tell you what I think. I hopefully give you something in some way that can make a little, that you then can make a little more sense of the world. That's what, that's what I think an, uh, a, if anything, that would make me an analyst, I suppose now as I'm doing this, but not a journalist. But that sort of lack of intellectual curiosity to see that someone posts a video, talks about it, and that their immediate response has nothing to do with what's in the video, or does that pique a little curiosity within them? It just, oh, well, he, you know, he killed two people, so that's that. You know, it's like, this is why journalism is dying, and, and I don't think that it can come back at least anytime soon, which is, which is pretty unfortunate. Anyway, there's obviously gonna be much more to this story. The fact that, the, that YouTube took the 
the video down. I mean, man, it just goes to the heart of everything that is so wrong with our system right now, our system of information and our inability to trust anybody and our, and our, our lack of institutions that are giving us the tools to see the world clearly. So it's just, it's just a mess. Um, okay, the second story that I wanna do, I, I think this is sort of the big one that I wanna focus on uh, for today because Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, yeah, your president, Donald Trump, if you live in America, he's your president, no matter how much you don't like him. Uh, he issued an executive order to get critical race theory out of the federal government, and then he sort of expanded on that yesterday. Now, what I wanna to do to set this all up, because I don't, I don't like just like saying words as if everybody knows exactly what we're talking about. Well, yesterday, uh, before this executive order, I actually interviewed Chris, Christopher Rufo, Chris Rufo, uh, who is one of the cleanest, clearer thinkers who has been talking about critical race theory and what is wrong with it and what is it in the first place. And he has actually been working uh, with the White House and some federal agencies on getting some of this stuff out of our institutions. Uh, so I interviewed him yesterday. We were gonna hold it for I think about eight days till next week because we've just got a whole bunch of content right now. But then when I saw this executive order come down, I said, no, 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 we gotta get this thing up ASAP. So we actually did post it this morning. It is up already. So if you're watching this, you can watch the full half hour thing unless YouTube took that down too because it's offensive to some people, which I'm sure it is offensive to some people. Actually, that's probably far more offensive to some people than the, than the Rittenhouse thing. But in any event, I wanna show you just a quick, uh, like a 45 second clip of our interview just to give you a little basis of what critical race theory is, then we'll jump back in and talk about it. It's deeply anti-intellectual and it's, it's frankly racist. I think we should call it out it's for racist. what it is. If you look at the kind of white supremacist ideology of the 1950s, which we all denounce, uh, it has the same categorization as the critical race theory ideology of today. Uh, you mm -hmm. reduce people to a racial essence. Uh, back then and today, it's whiteness and blackness. Uh, you create a group identity-based hierarchy Again, it's different, but it's the same concept. Uh, and then these critical race theory trainings are essentially denouncing people, not on their individual characteristics, but on their inborn identity. Uh, this is something that was wrong in 1950. Uh, it's wrong today. Uh, and we should be uh, very on high alert and we should all be working together to jettison this ideology. Okay, so again, if you want more on what critical race theory is, it's, an, it's a half hour interview. I wanted to do it a little shorter than most other ones because I wanted to do something that was kind of quick so that you'd be able to ingest it and hopefully share it with somebody so you have a sense of what critical race theory is. Uh, you know, to expand a little bit further, for, for any of you that have been paying attention to what identity politics has done to this country, uh, having it watched, having watched it destroy CNN, destroy the New York Times, many of the places you do business, the idea that now racial quotas should matter and we should have this amount of black people doing this and the Oscars should have 30% Latinos and all these things that actually are racist. It all comes out of critical race theory. That's why this story is so important. And you know, for all of the people that were talking about it a couple of years, it's like Trump, and this is the uncomfortable truth for the liberals that I have been trying to explain to my good liberal friends of, of few that remain, the few that remain. Um, Trump is the one that actually does things about them. Everyone else just talks about them. But just having conversations about conversations and talking about things isn't enough. So here's Donald Trump's tweet from yesterday. 
He said, a few weeks ago, I banned efforts to indoctrinate government employees with divisive and harmful sex and race-based ideologies. Today, I've expanded the ban to people and companies that do business with our country, the United States military, government contractors, and grantees. Americans should be taught to take pride in our great country, and if you don't, there's nothing in it for you. Okay, so I wanna remove that last sentence for just a second. I will address that last sentence because I think there's some, there's some meat there that's worth exploring. Uh, but so last week, basically, he issued the statement that said federal government uh, uh, contracts. So first it was about the federal government, the, the government itself, that they were not gonna use critical race, theory, cri critical race theory. And now it's about if you do business with any of these things, so the contractors, right? Now that's, that's really interesting and, and it's good. You don't want this stuff in the government. Actually, originally when this came out, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, they said they were gonna continue to do it and then, and then Trump stopped them from doing that. But the idea, that would be if we allowed critical race theory into the government, if we said that they were gonna hire based on race, based on sex, based on gender, then you know what you'd have? You're not gonna believe this, guys. You would have systemic racism. We don't have systemic racism right now. We don't have a system of government that says you can't be hired if you're black and you can't be hired if you're white or a lesbian or a midget or whatever else there is, okay? We don't have that. You are, you are hired based on your skill. Now that doesn't mean that some personal discrimination doesn't exist within the system, just like, it doesn't mean that some personal discrimination doesn't exist within policing, right? But there aren't laws saying black people will get this punishment and white people will get this punishment. And the this now, this idea of critical race theory, it was injecting it into the system. That's why I keep saying the anti-racists, the people who purport to be the anti-racists are the racists. They're the ones that's make, that are making everything about race and not only making everything about race, but then trying to actually build it into the system. So this is a very, very good move by Trump. Now, you know my feelings on this. I would prefer things not be done by executive action because what happens? Well, Obama did a bunch of executive actions and George W. Bush did a bunch of exact executive actions before that and Clinton and everything else. And all an executive action is, is something that's temporary for that administration. And then the next administration can come in and sign something and, and then that can override it. So there isn't a lasting sort of power to this, right? Like Biden could come in and, and completely reverse this. You know, Trump got rid of Title IX also that, that Obama put in. Title IX, in effect, was getting due process out of college campuses. If you, if you were a young man and you were accused of sexual assault, basically there wasn't gonna be a, a system of due process anymore. Trump got rid of that. Due process is good. We should give credit where credit is due. Um, these, are, these are just facts, and I know these are uncomfortable to my more left-leaning audience and, and whatever remaining liberals there are, but, but these, are, these are the realities. Of, of the world as it is. He's actually doing the things to sort of save the structure, if, if that makes sense. Uh, anyway, this morning I did a, a quick uh, look on Twitter for, uh, for my liberal friends, right? Some of the, the IDW crew, I'm not here to throw anyone under the bus. People get busy, stories get lost. But I did just like a cursory look at you know, some of the people who have been talking about the dangers of this stuff for years. The lefties I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like 
Shapiro, who's on the right, obviously he dressed it, right? And gave credit where it was due. So I'm not talking about him, but I'm talking about the remaining lefties, whoever they may be. Pretty much nobody mentioned it. Nobody mentioned that Trump did something about this. And I think this brings us to an interesting spot about, about what Trump derangement syndrome kind of does to people. You know, you can find a video that I did the day after the election, the day after the 2016 election. We didn't even have a studio yet at my own house. I'm sitting at a computer in the backyard. You can hear construction going on. And one of the things I kept saying was, you know, everyone needs to take a step back because if you keep calling Trump Hitler and you keep all, calling all his supporters Nazis, it's not what you're doing to them or to him. It's what you're doing to yourself because you're painting yourself in a corner. And what happens if Trump ends up doing some basically good stuff? And in my view, he has done some basically good stuff. That's just the truth. I didn't even vote for the guy. I'm going to get to that in a second. Um, but that, that's just the truth. So if he is the one that is getting Title IX out of colleges, if he is the one that is getting critical race theory out of our government institutions, you have to be able to give him credit. But the problem is if you've run around calling him an existential threat and Hitler and his supporters Nazis, you can't suddenly be like, guys, you know what? That Hitler guy, <laughs> you know, he's not that terrible. And I think that is the problem with sort of the intellectual liberal elite. They have run around saying these things for so long that when he does the things that are gonna save their butts, literally save their lives and jobs, um, and stop the mob from coming for them and, and fight back against the, the ideas that they've spent their lives fighting back against. He's the one that's actually doing something about it. Then they go silent and, and that's a major problem. So like even Barry Weiss at the New York Times, she didn't tweet about it yesterday. And again, I don't mean this to, or, or today or yesterday. I don't mean this to make it about anyone, but this is a girl who, a liberal who left the New York Times because critical race theory, identity politics, all of these terrible ideas completely infected the institution. That's, that's exactly what her letter in essence was saying. So she left the New York Times, but she can't give Trump credit for doing something because you always have to have Trump to be the bad guy. And I've started to, to work out a theory here. And I think it's something like this, whether you're a never Trump conservative or you're sort of one of the good liberals that remain, you sort of need Trump. You need Trump so you can always point to someone that's worse than you. So it, it's something like this. I was thinking about, um, you know, guys like David Frum and Bill Kristol, sort of the never Trump conservatives, although I'm not sure what makes either one of them a conservative anymore. These are people who have been for every war in the last 20, 30 years. You know, I mentioned it last week. Frum is the guy who, who wrote the axis of evil line into George W. Bush's speech, which then got us into the Iraq war. How many hundreds of thousands of people died in that? Um, these are people who get everything wrong, but there's a beauty to having Trump for them. The beauty is, oh, well, we're not him. We're not that guy who eats ketchup with his steak. We're not that guy. And I think that's what's also happening to liberals. It's like Trump's doing the stuff to fix the world, to make the world that you want to exist, a, a true, a liberal order. I know the conservatives don't really want to hear that, but a, but, a, but a sensible liberal order that we have had in America for so many decades. But instead, they'd rather be invited to nice parties so that they can sort of think of themselves as the good guys and Trump is the real bad guy here. That, that also goes back to that Harper's letter that you may remember from a couple months ago where the, where the good liberals all signed a letter defending free speech, but at the same time, they also had to condemn Trump. And it's like, guys, Trump's not coming for your free speech. He's not coming for your universities. It's the lefties that are doing that. Anyway, this one just like strikes close to home to me, not, not just because it's the ideas 
that I've been talking about for so long, but it's also just like, it's personal in a way because I can, I can really see the split occurring right now. It's like, you can either choose to like, kind of suck it up and whatever you don't like about Trump, understand that he's trying to keep the wheels on the machine, or you can join the people who are gonna destroy you, but like be thought of as good for a little while before they completely get you. I don't know. I think it's I think it's fairly obvious uh, which choice I've made. Okay, let's uh, let's do one more thing. Uh, we've got an election coming up. There is a presidential election. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, or Kamala Harris and Joe Biden uh, versus Trump and Pence. It's sort of like a WWE event. Election Day is November third. We're getting close, people. Right? We're you know we're about five weeks away. It is going to get more bananas. If you think for a moment that we are at peak bananas. Well, I got a banana farm I wanna sell you because it is gonna get more bananas, okay? Whatever you think is gonna happen, even this morning, I, I just saw this a minute before we started, there's some story breaking about how Hunter Biden got millions of dollars from a, from a Russian mayor or something like that. Don't quote me on that exactly. I literally saw it as I was sitting down. I mean, there's just gonna be more and more. Uh, the debates, there's gonna be a first debate next week. The idea that, that these two are gonna stand there and that Biden can actually stand there for an hour and a half. I mean, it, it's going to be just, just crazy television. It's going to make everyone all the nuttier. This is all with the backdrop of whatever is left of the pandemic and whatever is left of the lockdowns and everything else. It's also with the, with the backdrop of the Supreme Court nomination, which supposedly Trump is gonna nominate someone on Saturday, and then we'll see how quickly the Senate gets to it. If you wanna know my thoughts on all that, my direct message yesterday, I unpacked that, but in essence, Trump has to go ahead and do it, and uh, and the Senate has to go ahead and vote on it. And by the way, even though in the previous segment there, uh, I was sort of uh, given, given some uh, shit, so to speak, to, to some of the, you know, the good lefties, I will say this, I, I on my quick Twitter scan, I did, scan Brett Weinstein's Twitter feed, and he said even, and this is certainly not a Trump guy, he even said that you have to do it, you have to nominate, because you don't want a 4-4 court having to deal with an election, and that just seems so deeply obvious. He was saying, well, you have to do just sort of like a moderate that of course is gonna, uh, of course is gonna be nominated and successfully confirmed, I don't think that exists. I just don't think the game is played that way. Like, no, they, Trump could pick, Trump could literally pick a pro-choice lefty at this point, and he'd have the Democrats voting against that. So I think there's a real politic uh, part of this. Uh, but in any event, uh, the election is in five weeks. I just want to implore you guys, even if you're disgusted by all of this, even if you've never voted before, whatever it is, uh, make your voice heard. Even if you don't live in a swing state, and you're in Cali like I am, make your voice heard. You know, this time that we're in is in such upheaval and you don't know what can happen. One of the lines that has really inspired me over the last four years was the night of the election. I was on, uh, I was on with the Daily Wire folks and Andrew Clavin, after Trump won, right after Trump won, and everybody was shell-shocked, right? Shapiro's head was exploding. Everybody was, was shell-shocked. And Andrew Clavin said something that I think really proves the brilliance and wonder of America, which is, you know, the thing that nobody said could happen just happened. Anything can happen in America 
because of how beautiful our system is. So if you're depressed because whatever your side is, is going crazy or you think they're gonna lose or anything, it's like you don't know how many other people there are like you. So good things can happen. I'll just tell you one other story. So make sure to register to vote, make sure whether you're gonna mail it in, whether you're gonna go there, know where your polling place is, all, all of that stuff. And I'll just tell you one funny story about election day last year. So uh, we, had, we had moved as I mentioned earlier, which is why we were building the studio, we had moved right before the election and our polling place was near our old house. So we had moved about about a half hour away. And we get in the car to drive to the old to the original polling place. And I'm saying to David in the car, I don't know what I'm gonna do. And I couldn't believe it, but I was like, I genuinely don't know what I'm gonna do. I think Hillary is basically evil and corrupt, but Trump, it's like, could I possibly vote for that? And just the chaos and like all of that stuff. And obviously my feelings about Trump have changed. But at the time I was just like, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I can't vote for her. I don't think I can vote for him. And then it was also like, you know, because I'm in California, I have the luxury to do whatever I want because it's such a blue state or the rest of it. Um, and I had had Gary Johnson on the show. And, and of course he was the libertarian candidate. And I just felt like I didn't want to vote third party really. Cause I was just like, ah, it's, it's just taking the easy way out. And he really was not a good libertarian candidate anyway. Anyway, we drive across, uh, across the hill here. We get to the polling station. We're waiting at the polling station. I'm going, I don't know what to do. David's going, ah, you just have to make a decision one way or another. You got to do something. You got to do something. I, I don't know. Maybe I won't even vote him. I'll vote on all the other local stuff. And then I realized that I was standing behind RuPaul. And I thought, RuPaul, by the way, not dressed as a woman, RuPaul, the man, RuPaul. Um, and I just thought, this is just such like a perfect example of everything. I'm literally standing behind RuPaul, America's number one drag queen, as I'm trying to figure out whether I'm gonna vote for Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. Like, you can't make this stuff up. If, if it was in a movie, you'd be like, this is just too stupid. Uh, I ended up voting for Gary Johnson because I felt that was the one I could live with. Uh, but as I've said to you guys before, I, I won't do that this time. I will not vote for the third party this time. I, I think this election, you know, everyone always says, well, it's the most important election of your lifetime. Every election is that Obama Romney, Obama McCain, you know, Bush Gore. It's, uh, everything is the most important, everything of all time. This kind of is the one. Like this one is, I think we can all acknowledge, uh, regardless of whether you're a lefty or on the right, whatever it is, like, I think we can all acknowledge this one is it's a little different than the others, right? Like this one is like basically America's last stand uh, before we dive into complete and utter chaos and the choice is yours. So I will not be voting uh, third party. Although I should say, um, I did interview Joe Jorgensen, who's the libertarian candidate. And I think we're putting that up in a couple days. She actually asks me at the end uh, who, I, who I'm gonna vote for, or no, no. She says to me, did I win your vote? And then the last two minutes of the interview are, are a little awkward. Uh, but, I, but I actually do like her and I think she, she's got you know ballpark most of the right ideas. Okay, people, get out there and vote. Remember the critical race theory is no good and there's probably a little more to the Kyle Rittenhouse story and hopefully that 11 minute, 11 minute video goes back up. That's it for now. I'll unfortunately be in the Twitter world so you can catch me there at Ruben Report and I'll see you tomorrow.